You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday, 18th of August. I'm John Heffernan from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB Senior Economist John Fahey to discuss recent financial market developments. During this podcast, we will focus on the US dollar, check in on the EU-UK trade negotiations and have a look at the week ahead. Good morning, John. This week's market brief, which customers can find on AIB's FX Centre website, is entitled Some Life Left in the Old Book Yet. Focusing on the greenback and examining the recent debate on the dollar, namely whether or not it's entered into a long-term circular decline or not. I suppose on this part of the world, we tend to focus on euro dollar and see what's going on there. But can you give our listeners a broader view of what's going on with dollar and the bigger kind of story behind it? Yeah. So in terms of where we are with the dollar, what we've seen is it lose against a broad range of currencies, just over 7% over the last couple of months on a trade rate of basis. But it's important just to couch that in terms of where it's come from. So even though it's fallen back a little bit over the last couple of months, it's just back to 2018 levels and it's still you know, well above levels that are evident in the earlier part of the year. So the bigger picture is, is that Dollars appreciated very sharply, you know, in the second half of 2014 and the early part of 2015. And it's really remained at these elevated levels over the past five years. And when you look at trading ranges, and it's something we outline in the weekly, as you say, you know, it's been remarkable, actually, just the relatively narrow scope of those trading ranges for the dollar against the other major currencies. So you you referenced their euro dollar. So, you know, if you look at euro dollars since the end of 2014, Predominantly, it's been confined to a 105 to 120 band. But then if you look elsewhere, dollar against the yen, it's been in a 15 to 115 range since the end of 2016. And the Canadian dollar, the dollar's traded in a 125 to 140 corridor over the past five years. So generally speaking, the dollar against the other major currencies, the range trading has been you know, fairly limited. Now, taking on board, okay, what we said there, that it has weakened a bit over the last couple of months. So so what could be driving that? And at the moment, at the best of times, it can be difficult to explain movements in currency markets. Because if you if you look at underlying economic data, you know, the US economy's outperformed to date most of the other major economies. It suffered a smaller decline this half of 2020 than in Europe. And now the factor of that was that the lockdowns in the US were shorter, not as prevalent. But maybe that's an issue now too, because the lockdowns were shorter. It could be a case that markets are starting to get a little bit frighty about the resurgence in the virus in the third quarter in the US and just the you know ongoing increase in spikes in cases and the fact that we've seen certain states reimpose restrictions compared to, I suppose, the extent that we've seen spikes in Europe. The US seems to you know be dealing with much more. So the concern for markets there is it may impede the recovery and probably even more fiscal and monetary easing. So that's one reason as to why dollar has weakened over the last couple of months. The other thing, too, is we've had extensive dollar swap lines put in place by the major central banks. So we have, you know, that could have contributed to weakening. And then when you look at the outlook, we've got the upcoming presidential election. And there's still a lot of uncertainty over the outcome there. So that uncertainty is never helpful for a currency. So, you know, those two to three things combined just weighed on the currency over the last couple of months. But as I said there, you do have to look at it in the context of, OK, it's fallen back a little bit. But it's still at fairly elevated levels compared to, you know, the last couple of years. It still remains fairly high. You touched on a couple of things there, John. Just quickly, in terms of the risk appetite that's out there, you can see in the stock markets with the S&P in particular, there's still a lot of interest in people getting involved in that. And that's in the backdrop of the upcoming election. 
I suppose common thought is, you know, Biden will be more likely to win at the moment. But, you know, Trump could always get in there as well. How will that result impact it? What do you think it's going to do in the short term versus the medium term kind of movements in your dollar and dollar in general against everything else? Yeah, well, if we look at the last election outcome in the lead up to, it was difficult to see how the market was going to react once Donald Trump won the election. The market reacted positively from an equity market perspective because they viewed him as being pro business and corporate tax rates cuts. So when you look at it this time around, you know, there's two sides to it. If Joe Biden wins, you know, the market in terms of risk appetite may see, will it reduce the risk of tensions with China? Maybe he, he'll take a different stance there. But at the same time, he has been talking about increasing corporate tax. They kind of could potentially cancel each other out. Whereas if Donald Trump was to get reelected, the situation is his policies are pro-business. But then on the other side, you could see, you know, further tensions with China and elsewhere from a trade perspective. So it's very hard to say how risk appetite will react. And it's similarly then for the dollar, just with the outcome from that. And I think it's that maybe uncertainty that's probably, as we said, contributed to that bit of dollar weakness. But when we look at euro dollar and where it could go from here, you know, one thing that could support the dollar and see the weakness over the summer quickly unwound and a resurgence in the dollar would obviously be, you talk there about equity markets. If we saw a renewed bout of volatility on markets, then the dollar would tend to be in favour because of safe haven demand. And, you know, anytime we have volatility or stress in markets, the dollar tends to be sought out for its safe haven status. And then if we look specifically at euro dollar, you know, the key exchange rate or the key levels trading today around the 118 mark, you know, 120 and 125 are formidable obstacles for the single currency to overcome. They offer strong technical support for the US currency. So the outlook then may be the case of what we've seen over the last while is, you know, the major currency pairs continue to trade within fairly well-defined ranges against the dollar just because of the, you know, huge uncertainty that's out there over how COVID-19 is going to evolve and, you know, what are the lasting impacts that it has on economic activity and the consequences for that. Then I suppose something else that's obviously playing on the euro at the moment has to be the negotiation the EU are having with the UK in relation to what the relationship is going to look like post-transition period. Has there been any re- updates as of late of what's going on there and how do you see that playing out in the short term? And particularly kind of focus on what it might mean for the currency. Negotiations are, are due to recommence this week. So as we've talked before, you're really looking at progress has to be made by the end of October in terms of getting some form of free trade deal put in place because of the need for uh, different approvals through the UK Parliament but also through different EU member states. So really the end of October is, is when they'd have to have a free trade deal. Now given where we are in the month coming to the, towards the end of August, there's fairly limited time now left between now and the end of the year. So the best case scenario and it's our base case, is that the UK and the EU will agree a free trade agreement, but it will be a fairly limited free trade agreement, and it will be confined to goods. Now, at least it will avoid you know, the worst-case scenario that at the start of 2021, UK falls back on WTO rules uh, for trading. So that would be a worst-case scenario for the Irish economy. So we do still believe that they can negotiate a free trade agreement, but it's going to be fairly basic. Now, what tends to happen with this is, it drags on and there's a lot of uncertainty. So as we get closer towards the end of the year, and if it looks as if you know there's still no definitive progress on a free trade agreement, what we would expect is sterling uh, to come under some sustained downward pressure. We've seen that before with what the issue of Brexit has 
on sterling and the uncertainty. So on level terms, what does that mean? Well, if it looks as if we're going towards the end of the year and there was still no free trade agreement put in place, we'd keep a close eye on, on that 93p level for euro sterling. Because really, if the market got very concerned uh, around just a lack of progress, then you could see that 93p level retested again, you know, in the context that we're up around the 90p mark this week in terms of euro sterling. Okay, and I suppose just to kind of summarise what you're saying is expectation is that they'll get some form of agreement through. And John, would it be a kind of a shortened agreement, if you will, to begin with, with the idea that they will get something more expansive going forward beyond the transition period? So the reason we say that the expectations are base case, and it's the general view out there, if you look at where euro sterling is, if the market was really worried about euro uh, and no free trade agreement being put in place, then we'd expect euro sterling to be much higher within the above 90p at the moment than where it is. And also the fact, if you look at what futures contracts are pricing in for the Bank of England, there's only a 10 base points rate cut priced in. So if the market, interest rate markets are very concerned about that, then they would be expecting more potentially negative rates in the UK from the Bank of England. So that's not priced in. So that's where we're coming from in terms of what the general consensus out there, just looking at interest rate futures and also where the currency is at the moment, that the view is still they'll agree a free trade agreement. Also, it's in the interest of both sides to avoid a WTO, no trade deal type situation. So I think that progress will be made, but it will be fairly limited. What may happen is, is that, OK, you have a fairly basic free trade agreement that gets signed off and can kicks off the start of 2021 and then over the next couple of years the UK and the EU continue to negotiate and build out and build on that very basic free trade agreement because at the moment services are unlikely to be included in it so that may be the case that over time this basic free trade agreement gets added to and built on for a more comprehensive type of trading arrangement covering a more broad spectrum of goods and services so that could evolve over the next couple of years but the key thing in the first place is to have something in place for the start of 2021 to build on. And finally, John, looking to the week ahead, the data highlight is the release of the PMIs in Europe and the US. Can you explain to our listeners what these are and what they might mean for the currencies over the medium to short term? Yeah, the PMIs, they're high-frequency indicators, purchasing manager indices, so they're surveys of businesses in the manufacturing and services sectors. And the reason they're important is we get them regularly on a monthly basis because obviously GDP is a lagging indicator and you don't tend to get it till a couple of months into the following quarter. So these kind of give us an up-to-date view of what's happening in the economy. And they're going to be closely looked at because what we saw in May and June is as those restrictions in the major economies were eased back, we saw a bounce back in activity. So the uncertainty now is, is that rebound being maintained. So the PMIs on Friday for the US, the Eurozone and the UK will give us some indication of whether that's the case. That these economies are maintaining some upward momentum as those restrictions were eased back in May and June and that's continuing into the third quarter. So they'll give us some indication on that. So that's an important number from that perspective because it's a timely update. And just one further thing, John, the ECB and the Fed release their accounts slash their minutes from their July meetings this week. Is there anything we should expect in that? No, we're not expecting any major kind of new insight from that. From market expectations, they're not expecting any further rate changes from the ECB or the Fed. And given what we heard subsequent to those meetings where we had press conferences and subsequent speeches and comments given by some of the key members of those central banks, we're not expecting any major new insight from those meeting or accounts of, of, of what's happened. Thank you very much, John, for the update. 
COVID has definitely had a massive impact on the economic picture that we now look at. And for those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find the details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. And a big thank you to all our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us this week on the podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please press the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS and Android. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.